Hello, good afternoon it is, I'm sat in the garden, in the, uh, it's, uh, it's quite warm, but I fancy uh, some fresh air, and we've got with us this afternoon, uh, the voice of Derbyshire Cricket once again, giving him a run out, Oi Fletch. <laughs> good, thanks Blake, yeah it's nice <laughs> to be with you, I'm indoors but it is very pleasant, you'd be feeling the cold of course at the moment. Yeah, I have, yeah, um, the lid's gone, but um, it's, it's on its way back, it's on its way back. Um, Mine's not. No, no. no. <laughs> At least it's not pork side. Exactly. I was just about to say, talking of uh, controversial isolation lids, Finn Hudson Prentice is with us today, who's who's dyed his blonde. How are you, Finn? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, Blake. I'm all right, thanks, Matt. I think, first of all, we'll start with um, your adventures yesterday. You may have heard it or seen it on social media or heard it on the radio that uh, 10 of the Derbyshire players and staff uh, ran 2.6 miles each to raise money for Derby and Burton Hospitals charity and we we had Finn on, on Radio Derby uh, yesterday morning and um, Twiggy uh, <laughs> thought it was a little bit easy for a professional cricketer to be running 2.6 miles so he, uh, he set you a challenge to do it in your full gear. How was that? Uh, it was horrific. Um, <laughs> I, I've, I do a bit of running myself to be honest, I, I enjoy my running but that was something else. That was... I'd, you don't really realise, I was saying just then, um, you don't realise how heavy the kit is until you actually start <laughs> running long distance in it. Like, it's fine when you're just running 20 metres, but when you're running whatever it was, 2.6 miles, wow. it's not, not ideal. <laughs> <laughs> how far, how far into, the, into the run were you when you thought, I'm probably regretting this a little bit now? <laughs> oh, I, I reckon 700 metres, 800 metres. It was it was fun when I was coming down the hill from where my apartment is. I was coming down the hill, I was just cruising. I was like, oh, "This is all right." And then as soon as I got onto the flat and slightly uphill, I was like, "Oh, I'm in trouble. I'm in some serious trouble." <laughs> Did you see it, Fletch? I've seen the uh, I've seen the post video, the the one where the, the lads all hand the bat on to each other, and there's a lot of people sweating. There's a couple yeah. who aren't, though. I noticed. I'm not sure Harvey put everything into it, but there we go. And he still <laughs> ran it in 17 minutes or something. Absolutely outrageous. Did he really? Yeah. yeah, I wasn't sure about his vest top either. <laughs> well, as a, as a follower of Harvey on uh, on Instagram, I'm not sure about a lot of his gear, to be honest. He does have some rare gear. He does have some strange kit. I'm not really one to talk myself to be honest. I wear some questionable clothing, but I think Harvey uh, Harvey tops me on that a little bit. <laughs> we'll get to a few little questions like that later on, but I think me and Fletcher are having a little bit of a chat earlier, and we're gonna go all the way through your your kind of cricketing career to, to where you are today with Derbyshire, if that's all right. Is, is yeah, that... perfect, yeah. So we'll start from the very beginning. How, <clears> how old <throat> was you when you kind of first got in, involved with the game? Um, I was eight, um, eight years old. Um, I was a very keen footballer when I was younger, obviously, as every young kid seems to be these days. Um, and then mum just said, look, what are you doing in the winter is playing football and all sorts. And you get to the summer and you're doing nothing. So... Um, Get yourself, get yourself involved in a summer sport. So she enrolled me at a local cricket club at eight years old, just down the road in Burgess Hill, Sussex. Um, and yeah, that's where it all started, really. Was there, a, was there an age where you, you kind of realised you were, you were decent, or was you a natural? Uh, well, I always enjoyed my cricket, but it was never really something that, until I was sort of fourteen, maybe thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, around that sort of age, I never really thought. It was ever going to be anything serious. It was more just a hobby. But then, sort of, I got to the age of fourteen and I scored a few hundreds and started playing a couple of years above my age group. And then Sussex sort of said, "Look, you're going to be on the academy next year." So it was sort of at that point where really my focus just went 
straight into cricket really like perfectly everything sort of went towards the cricket did you um did you have to make the the choice that a lot of either decent footballers or decent cricketers make at a certain age where you kind of have to focus your energy into one of them one or the other and decide which one you want to really excel at uh, well, I was good at football but I was never ever going to make it like let's be honest about that I was never <laughs> never good enough to even think about making it so it was always going to be cricket as soon as that sort of happened um, the only heartbreaking thing about it was that Sussex did tell me because I kept getting injured like little hamstring niggles or ankle problems or little kicks whatever it was so they were just like look when I got to 15 years old they were like you're not allowed to play football anymore um, you need to focus on your cricket so you don't get any serious injuries and it sets you back so I guess that was the worst thing about that wow um, yeah some decent names in that Sussex changing room though when you first arrived wouldn't they they were a, they were a good side yeah they were a very good team yeah um, it was quite incredible really we were we got relegated my first season on the staff. Um, but the team was full of superstars, like guys who've played franchise or worldwide cricket, um, international cricket. Joffre was just starting when I started as well. Um, so it's a lot of big names, especially now still. I've still got a lot of players now that are on the international scene or in and around international call-ups or Lions squads and stuff. So, yeah, they have been... Um, have been a good side for a few years. Obviously, they they started winning in the early 2000s and stuff. So it was good to come into a dressing room that had previously been winners. Um, like so, starting your career, growing up, watching a team win, watching your local side winning county championships and stuff. That was obviously great. And then realising the dream um, and being signed by your home club. Um, but obviously, that first season when I when I did sign down there, um, we got relegated, which was quite ironic considering the the amount of big names we had on our side. How long did you spend um, with the club then? From from was it from fourteen, fifteen? Did you say? Did it, was it what, when you uh, first actually, signed? I started when I was ten. Um, wow! That's when I when I joined the age group stuff from the age of ten, um, and left the club, got released or sacked, whatever you want to call it, at the age of twenty. So I was there playing through the age groups and stuff for a decade. Um, yeah, it must be incredibly tough then to to spend ten years putting your your, your effort and all your, your everything into to, to a club and then and then being released. Was it was it a difficult period after after you being released? Oh, it was horrible. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I'd, I'm too fair. I still count myself quite lucky to have found my way back into the game. To be honest, um, a lot of players at that age, if you do get released, it is quite a tough blow. I think obviously it's quite quite hard for players to make it back into the game, especially when you're taking such a blow. Your home club at the age of 20 years old are just saying, look, we, we don't really need you. Um, at the club right now, it was obviously, it took me obviously three years, so I still count, count myself very lucky to be back in the position I am today. How did you get into the MCT Young Cricketers then? They, they Obviously, they'll get a list of players who've been released and look at ages and stuff. Is, is it simply a matter of that and then they, they, they send you out an invite or...? To be, to be quite honest, Fletcher, I don't, I don't really know. Um, it's, it's quite it's quite random, really. It was I went the year I got released. I got released in October 2016, um, and I'd already made plans um, to go over to Australia and play for Prospect, a club in Adelaide. Um, and I went over there and played, and I wasn't really having a good time over there. Came back to England, wasn't really enjoying my cricket much. Um, 
like when you first start the game and stuff it's a hobby it's fun um and i wasn't really enjoying it so i i told myself i'd go and get a job um go and go and look for a job i ended up just doing coaching as any qualifications to do anything i was looking at degrees of uh, what i could start in the new year and um my club team back in the uk won the premier league uh, in sussex we won the competition for the first time in the club's history um and then went on to get to the semi-final of the national 50 over competition um, and sort of found my love again through that and then came to about august time and steve kirby who's obviously now with derby um he was the head of the mcc and he just rang me up and said look i've seen you're not playing any second team cricket um uh, but you're doing well in league cricket you're averaging 50 in league cricket you're averaging 70 in the national competition and I was like why don't you come and play a couple of games and i was a bit hesitant at first but he sort of just kept bringing me up checking on me seeing how i was and then obviously as steve kirby does he somehow manages to find a way to get you to do the things that you might not always want to do <laughs> um but he, he, yeah he got me back into it and I had a great time to be honest. The first, I played two games at the end of the 2018 season, uh, 2017 season, sorry, and then got fully enrolled with the MCC um, for that winter. Was 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 he pivotal in in you coming to Fletch? Was he pivotal in you coming to Derbyshire as well from from there? Um, well, yeah, I think he did have a big part to play in it because we played against Derby at the start of the year. Um, last season so in the start of 2019 we had a game against Derby um, as the YCs Derbyshire I should say um, as the YCs um, in a second 11 game and I scored a 50 in that and bowled okay um, I was just coming back from a little knee injury um, and two days later because Mal, Mal Loy was the coach at the time of the second team Steve came down for one of the days I think but he was only there for one of the three days Um and Mal just sort of spoke to Ajmal at the end of the game. Ajmal was the new head coach of the MCC, Ajmal Shazad. Um, and Ajmal sort of rang me up the next day and just said, look, mate, can we go for a chat? And I was like, yeah, well, no, what have I done now? <laughs> <laughs> um, and he just called me into his office and he said, look, we've been approached by Derbyshire. Well, obviously, you've got a slight knee injury and you're not going to be back to your 100% bowling, but they want you to go on a trial period with them. Um are you interested? And obviously the first thing I said was, yes, get me up there. Um, and it, obviously it's a little bit more complex when you, when you think about it, because you don't want to go to a club where you're on trial and be injured because you're not going to give you a hundred percent. You're not gonna be able to bowl at full fitness and all that. Yeah, of course. Um, but because it had been such a long time, it was like, as soon as an opportunity came, I just wanted to take it with both hands, to be honest. When you said to me, in the, <clears throat> excuse me, you said to me in the past that you felt that this was the last chance that if, if it didn't work out at Derbyshire, then you probably would just walk away from the professional game. Yeah, that it was, yeah. Um, I'd accepted a architecture degree um, at Leeds University. Um, so I'd, I'd accepted that for September, so it was almost like the pressure was off. I knew it was going to be my last chance. Um, it was going to be my last year, giving it a go. I mean, you don't see many players who are sort of out out of the game, sort of getting a contract to the age of 23 these days, um, unless they have exceptional spells or periods at the club. Um, so it was sort of just a last chance saloon sort of thing, I guess. It was like, let's, let's, let's give it a go. I've been in the system now for a couple of years and I've not made any progress. So go one more year with the pressure off, obviously knowing I've got something in the background that I'm going to be working on. 
Um, and I guess that sort of freed me up a bit and got me to where I am now. Did you feel you had to to step up when you when you got from Derbyshire, obviously a couple of years away from playing the county game, or did you did you just fit right in and feel feel at home straight away? <laughs> the um, I remember obviously coming and playing against Australia A at Derby. Um, like as I just signed, it was probably my first day on the staff, and I hadn't really met anyone. I sort of came to the squad the day, came to the team the day before, and did a training session with the guys. But I didn't really get to speak to anyone because I sort of got bombarded with media duties and stuff, as as you do. Fletch. Um, <laughs> Fletch wasn't there. Um, was he not? Luckily, I was. Luckily. How was he? Oh, maybe you were. I don't know. I just didn't know. I don't think I spoke to you. I have to say, I don't yeah. think I did speak to you. Oh, all right. <laughs> did, you do, did, you do anything, did you do anything good? I'm trying to look it up in wisdom, but I can't find Australia, eh? No, I, I didn't, to be honest. It was the game Matt Wade got 140 balls. <laughs> <So> <laughs> I, I, I do remember sort of turning up and sort of saying hi to everyone. Like, Hello, guys. How are you? Sort of thing. Just quick chat. It wasn't really anything else. And then turning up the next day to see their star-studded lineup and being like, wow, I haven't, I haven't played against a team like this for like ever in my career, let alone the first time for three years out of playing playing the pro game I was like oh, it's a great game to start cheers house thanks mate <laughs> in at the deep end yeah but it was it was great fun just being out there again in front of a crowd I think there was only about one or two thousand people there but it was nice to be out there in front of a crowd again um, that sort of gives you that extra energy and, and buzz and even though the game wasn't really going as as, as planned um, it still was great to be back in sort of that environment and scene I think that sort of gave me an extra bit of motivation as well again it wasn't many days before uh, you were back in action, probably the following week, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, it was Wayne a week Madsen, later, yeah. Wayne Madsen, I think, <clears throat> had a bit of an ankle, well, he'd been carrying an ankle for a while, but had a bit of an ankle problem, so is that right? Sat the game against uh, Middlesex out, and uh, there was a new lad at number three. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah that was that was quite interesting. Um, I remember... But Wayne did a fitness test the night before or the afternoon before. He just had a slight ankle problem. He'd been carrying it for a while, I think. Mm. Um, I'm really sure what the issue was. I hadn't been in the squad, but they just said, look, you need to fully rehab it and get it back because we've got the 2020 campaign coming up. Um, so Wayne sat out and I remember the morning house came up to him and was like, oh, you, do you want to bat at three? <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> sort of like one of those, because I was meant, to, I was down at eight initially. Um, if Wayne was playing, and it was like, oh, Finn, do you want to, do you want to bat at three? And I was like, oh, it's quite hard to go into an environment and be like, no, actually, I'll stay down at eight. Cheers, coach. Um, <laughs> but obviously, as you'd, you'd rather be batting at three than eight, and especially as like I, I will always say I'm a batting all rounder. Um, I always look at myself that way. I always have been. So. Um, yeah, it was like if I want to bat and show myself that I can play, it's probably going to be better at three rather than at eight. So obviously saying yes, and but we don't need to talk about that innings any further. Flesh. <laughs> we do. I think we do. I've just listened back to some of it. Funnily enough, I, I did something very, very bizarre the other day and downloaded every single day's play from last season. The uh, things isolation do. Yes, yeah. I've, no I've no idea why I did it. Uh, I was looking for some bits and pieces, and uh, so I, might, I might as well download them all. Um, and I'd, I'd completely forgotten uh, that you were dropped at slip, weren't you? Uh, no, I was caught off a no ball. Caught off a no ball, that was it. Yeah, that, on yes, 92 or something. Yes, yeah. I can remember that. So when you caught off a no ball on 92, 
you go on and make your hundred and make yeah. it big, don't you? Yeah, that's that's what you usually do. It does doesn't happen in all cases. <laughs> I can't. I just listened to my very average commentary on it, and it's <laughs> Helm, Helm Bowles. Uh, and he spooned it up in the air. He's going to be caught on nineteen. And I mentioned the number ninety-nine far too many times. <laughs> if I'm going to learn anything from this, is not to say ninety-nine. I mean, I didn't speak to you that night either. Uh, no. In fact, it was the next day you came up and spoke to us. Actually, in the in the commentary box, which was fantastic. But. I can I can't even imagine what you felt like as you were as you were walking off because it's a fantastic debut, but it's ninety nine. Until I finally get that first hundred, it's going to be pretty heartbreaking. Ever seeing my statistics anywhere, um, it was a oh, it was just rush of blood. I think it was. I think I I was thinking about a celebration rather than thinking about scoring a run. Oh wow! I was like, it's going to be going to be a good feeling. Um, scoring 100 like finally back in the game like uh, five years four years whatever it is since I made my first class debut to finally be in a position to score 100 it's not even like you're just going through so many emotions in those 90s like I remember obviously getting caught off that no ball and being like okay there's a life like I didn't think I'd get that I remember it was an unbelievable catch as well it was a one-hander from Eskenazi um it was an unbelievable catch, and I was like, oh, it must be my day. It just must be my day. <laughs> and then I hit one through the cover. I was on 97, and I hit a beautiful, like, probably the best shot of my innings through the, through the offside, and I jogged two because I thought I was going for four. And it got pulled up inside the rope, and we only ran two, where realistically it probably could have ran three. Oh. <laughs> and that would have been – that moment has replayed in my head more than any, to be honest, that, like that drive through the offside and just sort of like – Three quarter, like seventy five percent running, like through just because he thought it was going for four, and then <laughs> getting out two balls later. Was, uh, yeah, there you go. I've still got quite vivid memories of it because I was stood in front of the um, the pavilion, like the gateway centre, um, with my dad watching, just waiting for the moment, the hundred moment. And uh, David Griffin come past just before when he was in the nineties and was reading off all these stats with my dad, like he normally did. Yeah, with the, for the shot where you point the. And he was going, oh, uh, only so-and-so's got 100 on debut. So-and-so got 98 on debut at Ilkeston in 1980-something. And so-and-so got this. I'm asking for all these stats and he's in a rush to go off. And he comes back, trudging back past. We're hassling for all these stats. He comes trudging back past about five minutes later and goes, nobody's got 99 on debut. There's your f***ing stat. <laughs> <laughs> and I've, I've always remembered that. <laughs> Griff would have been, been very pleased with that because one of the questions he put out on Twitter the other day what's the highest score I think you had a, a crack at it I, I, I sort of knew it but wasn't sure about what the highest score that nobody's ever got so he'd have been quite pleased with somebody getting out on 99 on his on his debut it was it, it was it, I'm sure it's a huge consolation to you that it was a historic innings for Derbyshire it was the first time five players had got past 50 in fact Three were out in the 90s, weren't they? Yes, yeah. Reese got 96, Nudge got 92, and then obviously Billy and, and Lewis Deploy both got centuries. It's the first time that Derbyshire had ever scored 500 runs in an innings against Middlesex. Was it Was it you, Finn? Was it Finn and Reese were both in the 90s at the same time? Because I remember sitting there having to go to work or something and holding on thinking, I'm going to see two centuries here. If I just give it half hour, 45 minutes, I'm going to see two must people been, make a century. Must have, been, must have been Lewis, surely. Yeah, it might have been, yeah. I think what it might it? have been um I think what it might have been Billy and Billy and Risu. Oh okay. Because okay. they well, Billy got out for like hundred and ten or something. I remember it was absolute carnage. I remember sitting on the balcony 
and just watching them both go to absolute town in the first session. Yeah. Uh, we, we scored 100 runs in like 15 overs or something. And I was like, I'm pretty sure this is not how first-class cricket's meant to be played. <laughs> Take your pads uh, off. <laughs> I saw, every time I saw Billy charging down the wicket, I was like, oh, no, you're right, I'm going in. And then it was flying to, into the stands for six. I was like, I'm not sure I've ever seen a first morning of first-class cricket like this, to be honest with you. We, me and Fletch both love the me and Fletch both love the Billy dance, don't we, Fletch? Uh, we, we've sort of got used to it now, and it, it, it's it's funny for me because obviously I commentate with whoever <coughs> comes with the opposition, and they're staggered. I said, no, no, that's what he does. Yeah, it's incredible <laughs> to watch, but it's yeah. so effective as well. He does it yeah. so well. But why would you not? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, it, 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 you've got to have a good eye to do it. I think. And a bit, of, look... bit of confidence as well. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to say that it's good eye, but sometimes it looks like he's got them shut, which, <laughs> which is a bit of a concern. Uh, historic day as well, because Kylie and the Cure were both on at Glastonbury that day. Um, uh, anyway, of nothing. Uh, so you did that, and then um, Middlesex obviously batted after Derbyshire had made 500 and on whatever it was. Um, the bowler started, and then you were tossed the ball, and we thought, oh, well, let's see what see what happens here. What happened here? <laughs> I just, I, it was quite funny. I do remember it because um, Billy had sort of told me about twenty overs into the innings, he's like, oh, hey, you're, you're going to bowl next, and I think then someone took a wicket, and he was like, oh, okay, just hold off a bit, mate. And that hold off a bit was until the seventy or seventy third over or something. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was sort of stunned. Well, I was standing at sort of square leg for 50 overs going, I don't know if he's ever going to throw me the ball here. But sort of just like, not really expecting to bowl sort of at that stage. I was like, oh, he's obviously, we've we've got four seamers, I'm sort of the fifth seamer, it's it's fine. Like, they've got the team sort of set out you. to do what they're doing. Yeah. And I, I, I do remember just him throwing me the ball and I was like, oh, I like bowling around the wicket to left-handers. And he was like, oh... I remember him and Ravi a bit like, oh, I'll start over. And I was like, oh, I like bowling around the wicket to lefties. I've sort of always done it. It's a natural shape of the ball I get. Um, and they're like, okay, just like ease yourself in by our first ball. And I remember, like, obviously, you're, you're absolutely, your adrenaline's going at that point. And, like, oh. and then you start realising, oh, I'm bowling in a first-class game. And you get all those emotions going again. And I just ran up and sort of tried to just bowl it as quick as I could. <laughs> <laughs> you like get the first one out of the way and it came out my hand like just perfectly to be honest and I don't think I've ever been that excited on a cricket field before um, just turning around like massive celebration turning around and everyone was just there as soon as I turned around and I was like oh god I can't believe it Funny to, like, obviously that's my first first wicket in first class cricket as well um, so that was a great feeling everyone was like oh well done mate congrats on the first of many and everything I just remember it being Absolutely surreal, to be honest. Um, so many emotions again going through going through my mind. It was to be the first of many. Seventeen overs, one for forty-two. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> a, dropped, a drop catch by Logan at Gully. I do remember it off John Simpson when he was on naught, and he went on to get one hundred and twenty. So, cheers if Logan ever listens to this. Thanks, mate. I think he'll be too busy on his own podcast. I was just going to say, that's the same thing. He's, he's very busy on Twitter at the moment, promoting himself, which is only right and proper, I suppose. Oh, it, wasn't a bad, it wasn't a bad debut. We, we laugh about, you know, 99 and all the rest of it. But it was it was a terrific debut. And you could almost say that if you'd have come in and you'd have made, you know, knocked it around for a very nice 30-odd and then perhaps bowled 
10, 12 overs and not picked up a wicket, it wouldn't it clearly wouldn't have been quite as dramatic. But that 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 first that first championship match, not only for your confidence, but the confidence that the club had in you, and everybody would automatically say, "Well, well, he's got a play, and he's got a play in the next match," which of course you did. I think that's that was more the best thing about it was at that point was sort of I proved more to myself that I I could play at that level. Um, that's the, the things that you go through when you have that layoff or when you like the first obviously the first part of my career I, I failed I'd say I, I didn't do very well um, so obviously five years of being involved in professional cricket obviously in and out but five years later to finally be able to say look I know, I know now well, I, I can score runs and I can take a wicket or take wickets in professional cricket that sort of gives yourself the confidence to do it and obviously it was perceived by a few people maybe that it was a bit of a risk signing me um i know a lot of people hadn't heard of me obviously especially up north and or in the midlands as you guys seem to call it um <laughs> it, it was perceived as a bit of a risk it was um perceived as a risk obviously no one knew who i, who I, who I am what what i did um just maybe a few second team performances so it was nice to sort of Proved to a few people watching as well that I was capable and obviously Houts and the coaching staff as well, sort of almost like thanking them for showing the faith in me, I guess. I suppose the only person who, who wasn't delighted for you, although knowing him, he probably was delighted would, for you, uh, would be Nudge because he was sort of the next cab off the rank, if you like, in terms of potential all-rounders and you've gone and, uh, and done him by seven runs and picked up a wicket with your first ball but uh, he got his chance later on in the season and uh, did okay didn't it's, he so. it's, it's actually quite a shame because Nudge was looking unbelievable in the in the start and in the sorry in the start in the winter training we've just done um, he's really kicked on massively like from what I've seen as well looks like he was going to have a really good season which is obviously a shame now that that's been pushed back to whenever may be um, but he was looking very nice and in winter training I was paired up with him quite a lot um, doing drill work and stuff um, throughout the winter so it's obviously great to see that we are trying to push each other on as well obviously doing the similar things like batting and bowling a little bit um, so it's nice to actually see that that is obviously making each other work harder to try and keep each other out the team almost as it seems but you didn't have to do any running with him did you uh, no, I'd try to avoid that at all costs. I've never, <laughs> never seen anybody as quick. Hey, that, uh, when he ran out, Dane Villas at uh, Old Trafford. That was sort of the moment that got us to finals day or mm. to the quarterfinal at Bristol. So, and that was all because they didn't know how fast he was. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was, I was just going to talk about that because there was a moment at Old Trafford. I, was, I did some commentary on the T20s last year, but I wasn't for that game for different reasons. And I was actually... Stood or sat in the uh, the stand about four rows behind you, Finn, when you uh, on the boundary fielding when Ravi took when Ravi took that wicket. And I remember the, before the next ball, I just went Finn. I stood up in front of all, right, around all these Lancashire fans and just like gave it a like a fist to you, and you, you put your, you put your arms in the air like the darts kind of motion. And that was like my memory of getting to the quarterfinals 
Yeah, I was getting absolutely hosed by the crowd in that corner. Um, I was out there all game. I was feeling that David would get long off for well, 10 overs in a row. And I was getting hosed by about a group of 20, like 12-year-old kids. And I've never felt more intimidated by a group of people in my life. You know, this group of 12-year-old northern kids with the strongest accents just calling me everything under the sun. And I was like, how do you even know these words that come out with? Oh, it was great for him when we, when we did turn them over, obviously, at the end, like when Ravi was taking the wickets at, at the close. Um, yeah, it was a great feeling, obviously, knowing then that we had made it to the quarterfinals. Oh, what was the... Um, what was, do you think... We, we asked Billy this the other week and he came <clears> out with a, a very Billy-like diplomatic answer, didn't he, Fletch? But what do you think the the secret behind the success that season was? To be honest, I, I, I've never been involved in 2020 cricket before or a campaign um, so I I don't really know. I know that, to be honest, the first five games that I played in, I had no idea what my role was in the team. I, I was sort of just like, turn up. Cork is obviously saying, look, we wanted to bat down the order to strike at the end or to, if we feel like we need to get off to a good start, we're going to chuck you into open. Um, so that was sort of, I knew sort of roughly what my role would be with the bat, but with the ball, it was sort of undecided, like we were meant to have... Um, either Richardson or Stanlake come over um, and they're obviously going to bowl death overs with Ravi but then it so turned out we didn't really have a death bowler so I think we tried a few options at the death um, and then I sort of got thrown the ball a few times and did okay bowling at the death so that was sort of the skill that I tried to increase so like towards the back end of the comp it was sort of like everyone that I feel well, I don't know what Billy said um, exactly but I, I felt that everyone sort of knew their roles in the team and then everyone sort of gelled like I'd I'd been in the team then for a while, so I sort of knew how people worked and how how everyone else got their got their buzz from certain things. So it was great to be involved in that um, sort of that changeover. I think we got to about six, seven games, and we were bottom or second bottom of the table, and then to switch it, turn it round, and finish in the top three. I think we did in the end. Um, was crazy to be honest. What's it like opening the batting in T20 cricket? Then uh, fairly frenetic from a. <laughs> watching point of view I imagine it's the same from a batting point of view it was great fun oh, I've never had more fun um, to be honest I remember opening at Chesterfield on my debut and hitting David Willey through the covers a couple of times um, for four um, and just being like oh, wow what a player are we? and I just <laughs> remember just like chipping one to extra cover like next ball after being like oh I'm going here I'm going I'm timing it well and then just chip one to extra cover or something and I was out for eight or four or five balls or something um, so, so I don't know. It's, it's it's a roller coaster of emotions. I think 2020 is sort of like that. Um, you sort of ride the wave a little bit um, in 2020 cricket. Uh, but it was I remember opening at the in the derby at, against Knotts at the um, at, at at derby, um, and that was great. Obviously, in front of a packed home crowd, and I, I don't know, I got 15 or 20 or something. I don't remember the exact number, um, and got off to a decent enough start. 17, there you go. Um, got off to a decent enough start, but it's, it's good going out and having all the fielders up. You get to have free licence to try and whack it over their heads instead of everyone <laughs> being on the boundary at the end when you do come in. So um, It is frenetic, but I, I really enjoyed it, to be honest. I only did it two, twice, I think. I think um, so. They're the only two I can find, yeah. Yeah, but uh, that was that was very good fun when that did happen. Do you do you have a game plan as a batsman going in, or is it just a case of if it's there, it's going? I think there is there is some sort of game plan, um, but it's it's just playing to your strengths really. Obviously, Derby's short straight, 
um, the Cantor ground at Derbyshire, um, is short, straight down the ground. So a lot of the players, if you do pitch it up, will just try and hit it for six back over your head. Yeah. Um, so a lot of the time at Derby, you know bowlers are going to be looking to bowl into the pitch a bit more. So you're looking to play your cuts and stuff with your clips and your pulls and all that. That's probably more of a more of the options at, at the ground. But you know that when you go to different grounds, they'll be on different wickets, so there's short sides, long sides. But then obviously if it's in your zone, you're going to try and clear the ropes. That's yeah. What, that's what obviously the, the game is about and how it's evolving is whoever hits the most sixes wins the, games, wins the game of cricket. So if it is in your slot, try and take advantage. Well, you say that because we can move forward, can we, to finals day? And I don't think that Essex hit a six. Did they not? No, Lewis Reese definitely hit one because I watched it again the other week just to put myself through it. Um, yeah, I, I watched it a few weeks ago yeah, as well. It wasn't great. It was too, too, too soon for me. Yeah. No, it wasn't great. <laughs> but, but you're right. It, 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 it appeared, although the bowlers did a magnificent job yourself, I think best of two for two from three overs, or two overs, three overs, against North Ants and uh, Ravi Bowl brilliantly Ravi was sensational last season in, in all forms but the top four the regular top four I'm going to take you out of that and, and just go with that back with that regular top four they were playing so well yeah unbelievably that, that, that you could almost guarantee that we're going to be either enough runs to bowl at or whatever you restricted the opposition to that they would have it in the locker to, to go and beat them in places like that, that game at Yorkshire and Again, the, the game at Lancashire, it just, it was, it was, it was almost as though everything just came together perfectly. And it is again a real shame. You talk about nudge, but it's a real shame that we're not, we're not going to this season see if we do play T20 cricket, we're not going to see the two Aussies who were coming over, yeah, um, play because I think chucking them into the mix and and we Derbyshire will be even stronger. Yeah, it is, it is a shame. It's a massive shame. Um, obviously, we have to see what happens, but the top four last year were incredible, weren't they? Like that. Yeah. How many? They scored third. Was it thirteen fifties or something? Griff. I saw a stat from Griff the other day. It's in however many games that is between them, they scored like thirteen half centuries or something, which is wow. remarkable from a top yeah. four in a T Twenty campaign. To score that many fifty-plus scores is outrageous, but the consistency of it was just ridiculous. I remember that game at Headingley. I was actually speaking um, to my partner about this, um, speaking about that game at Headingley, that T20, when Leas just sent it absolutely everywhere and just took the mickey out of the game, really. Like just oh, wherever was there a, was a fielder, it just went over his head. Was, there was a start in that, Fletch, wasn't there? Was that a quickest 50? Because like I was on co-commentary, yeah. Yeah, equal with quickest 50. It was the over from Dwan Olifia. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the first ball was a no ball that he uh, sent for six. And I'm pretty sure free hit went for six. That the free hit went for six as well. And then so the next ball the went for six. First legitimate ball well. it was 14. 32 off the over. Yeah, yeah 32 like, off the over, know. and the first two balls had gone for 20. It was a real shame because yeah. having having had Duan at Derbyshire for the first half of the previous season, he's such a nice lad, and I'm just not sure whether he's. His bowling really suits T20 cricket, but that's perhaps a debate for another day. He's just, he's just quick and bang it in, isn't he? And if it goes wrong, it goes wrong spectacularly. But it was a great day. It was a great day. Even, yeah, even this, the, the fact the fact that Derbyshire got to finals day and so much was made of that because it was the first time the club had got to finals day. They were the last of the 18 counties to do it. What... What was the overriding emotion at the end of that game? Because there was a, a, a huge sense of deflation because the team didn't seem 
to do themselves justice from where I was watching right behind the bowler's arm. It's a bit of a shame. Everyone was so down after that, to be honest. Um, it's, it was just one of those things, to be honest, Griff. It was like... Uh, Griff, Fletch. Um, too busy not, thinking not, about Griff stats. Non-taken. <laughs> non-taken. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's... Yeah, uh, you know what it was like. It was horrible, obviously, for a, for a fan as well or someone who's working at the club. It's not ideal what happened. I think we lost the game in the first five overs to be honest. Um, on a wicket, which that is, I think that is finals day is so hectic and frantic that obviously when we arrived, we weren't we weren't able to put our kit anywhere in any dressing rooms or they were just in a storage room. And then there was nets out the back and we were like, we need to go do our normal routines and stuff. So we didn't actually get much time to watch any of the footage of the game before because there was so much going on. And obviously, after bowling on it for five overs, we realised that it was a slow wicket and it was spinning. And I think then we controlled it after that, but the first five overs went for way too many. It was strange watching it back the other week again. I was probably eight, nine, ten overs into the into the Derbyshire batting innings and still thinking well they've still got a chance here you know yeah we, we got it, off to an absolute fly quite quickly yeah it's it's just one of those things i think like it's the first time obviously us being there we didn't know how the day sort of ran um we didn't know what what the sort of crack was about changing rooms and storing our kit and getting changed and all that sort of stuff i remember getting changed on the side of the pitch before going out and playing and i was like that's, that's quite incredible for a professional semi-final um but that's just how it's been. Like, and obviously not, not being there and not seeing it, it's just all new, whereas other teams might have known and seen that and been able to prepare in different ways. I don't know. It's just obviously pretty heartbreaking when you go to a day like that with so much expectation on on the team and yourself to deliver and have a good game. And I probably played personally my worst game in a tournament. Maybe a couple of other guys did as well. I don't know. But it was just, yeah, it was just obviously when you get there and, you let yourselves down like that. I think it, it does last for a while, but it also makes you hungrier to try and do it again. Obviously, you might not might not have that chance this year, um, but there's obviously a lot of hunger in the squad now, and we we do know what it what it's all about. So hopefully, there isn't another gap like that between our next finals day appearance. Well, I hope not, because I'm getting on a bit. Might <laughs> 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 be a few more hairs on that chin. That's uh, called Griff again. That's that's a fine now. Yeah, I'm sorry, guys. Where's Griffin? Gonna have to get him on the podcast. I spoke to him this morning. He's in good form. <laughs> good. Don't worry about don't worry about Griff. Uh, Philip, we talked about what. I'm, just just quickly, it, it, it's going to be strange if we do play this summer because I can't imagine they're going to allow crowds in at any stage uh, throughout the summer if they're talking about you know, lockdown until, not letting foot crowds into football matches until Christmas and this kind of thing. I can't imagine they're going to open up cricket grounds either, but you might get to play. Well, well that, that, that'll obviously be slightly eerie, especially when you play in the short form of the game. Is it something, is it, is, is it something that players just want, you just want to get out and play some cricket or would you prefer not to play in front of, you know, no fans? Uh, well, you I, I personally just want to play some cricket, to be honest. It's it's a way of getting out of the house and having a bit of fun, isn't it? Like, at this moment in time, it's just... I, I don't think I've ever missed cricket this much, to be honest. Um, being inside and not doing anything, like living in an apartment that just has a balcony and no garden. 
Um, it's pretty tough. You can't even go outside and bowl or anything. There's no room in here to just throw a tennis ball around or hit a tennis ball against the wall. But I don't think I've ever missed cricket as much as I do now. So personally, I just want to get out and play. I mean, obviously, the government will rule over that. And if they feel like people aren't going to be safe, then obviously that takes precedence. But it's just one of those things, isn't it? I don't know what other players, what their feelings about it are. I don't know if they would rather play in front of crowds, but I've only been playing in front of crowds for the last six months of my playing career, to be honest. So it's not like it's going to be any different for me personally. Um, but for players like Wayne, it might be a little bit strange. <laughs> I think there was, a fo- there was a football coach on one of the, uh, the TV or radio, and he was uh, he was asked what it'd be like for the players to play behind closed doors. And he said, well, everybody starts effectively behind closed doors. The only people who are there generally are your parents. And that's yeah. about it. So yeah. it, what, everybody has done it. Everybody has played in those circumstances, so it shouldn't be shouldn't be t- too strange. But as you say, it's, it all depends on the. On the you don't really get that. Um, but when you are um, playing in front of a crowd, you get the extra lift. Obviously, you get that extra buzz. You get that extra feeling of excitement because there's people cheering you on, and you're you're playing the game to entertain, um, which obviously gets taken out of it if you're then playing in front of no one. Um, but I guess if there is a way that we can create revenue for the club, if that be just through maybe getting a couple of games on TV or by maybe getting ourselves in the hat to go forward in a competition of sorts that might come about, I don't know what the summer's going to look like. So, um, yeah, just be obviously... A huge, boost, huge boost for the country if some sport is played, and obviously it's going to be professional sport that's played rather than, than amateur sport. Yeah. Just because, quite frankly... I've watched everything now, uh, and it'd be, it'd be nice to see some see some sport. And the TV companies want to show it, and uh, that that will ensure that the revenue stream is maintained, which is obviously hugely important to all sports, not just cricket. You're going to yeah. look at the championship clubs; they're desperate to uh, desperate to fulfil the fulfil the fixtures so that they can uh, get the final payment. So yeah. yeah, absolutely. I think I I think the uh, the governing bodies will do whatever they can within the rules to get some sport played this summer, although uh, it might mean putting two jumpers on in October. Yeah, well, obviously you get that. It's probably warmer in October than it is in April, to be honest. So yes. Usually, usually at the start of April. Obviously, this April's been a little bit different. Now we're all stuck inside. It's decided it's going to be nice and warm. Um, but usually in April, it's about eight degrees Celsius and you're nicking, nicking a juke ball like a slipcord and standing really, really close. So it's not a, not usually ideal at this time of year. So I'm sure October won't be too much different. Depends if we get a September like last year where we've played barely any cricket at all. Yeah. Yeah. Well, whenever cricket's back, Finn, just finally, uh, thank you, Fletch, as ever, for uh, for joining us and and. Being the font of cricket knowledge, that's my new nickname for you. There's no Derbyshire, so you can be. There's no Vorsha Derbyshire cricket at the minute, so that's your new nickname. Um, whenever cricket comes back, Finn, have you got a target? Where do you see yourself going career-wise? Have you have you set yourself anything um, to to try and achieve or little targets to achieve during the course of your career? Um, long term, it'd obviously be playing international cricket, preferably Test cricket. But in the short short term, it would be just trying to win trophies with Derbyshire and bring some trophies back to the back to the county ground for the loyal fans to be honest yes I love that thank you very much Finn <laughs> thank All you right, mate guys. thank you for joining thank us you. cheers Fletch cheers, cheers mate.